Global Ventures, the name is global, but is your horizon the Middle East? We set up Global Ventures with the idea that there are entrepreneurs in the Middle East and Africa who can scale globally. They're just as talented, just as capable as other entrepreneurs around the world. But we're lacking access to capital, lacking access to networks. And equally, we realize that the Middle East and Africa is one of those regions in the world that is looked over, if you want, or passed by, by entrepreneurs who are scaling their businesses from Europe and the U.S. and even Asia. And therefore, we, we work with entrepreneurs in the U.S. in particular to help them scale into the region. So you're looking to be a gateway? A gateway is a good word. I like it. I think it's about connecting dots. And it's not just about the money. Money is one part of the equation. You need money to, to make certain things happen, sure. But we also have relationships with VCs, with accelerators, incubators, you know, using the networks that we personally have just from our backgrounds. We're looking to sort of connect those dots. So gateway, connecting the dots, those are good expressions for what Global Ventures does. Now, you've already made some investments, and one in particular that caught my eye in terms of fintech, and that's Paymob. Tell me a little bit more about Paymob. In about January, February of 2019, Global Ventures, you know, took a three-month, three-and-a-half-month project to sort of assess the fintech landscape across Middle East in particular. Um, And we've actually published a report on this, which is publicly available for anybody to read. And what we wanted to figure out, how has fintech evolved in the developed markets, if you want, in the U.S. and in Europe? What are some of the comparable trends and issues or problems that need to be resolved in the region? And which companies are, you know, going about solving those problems? So as you look at the fintech space, there's a number of things, right, that we can talk about and and dive into. But one of them is acceptance. Having payments and having credit cards being accepted at multiple points, different types of, of, of payment forms, whether it's online or even physical, whether it's ones that are based on loyalty programs or one that are based on credit, debit cards, of course, and all sorts of other forms, cash sometimes, where people have to deposit cash to pay for something and they get a receipt, kind of like pay your electricity bill or whatever. There are all sorts of acceptance challenges across the region. PayMob goal and aim is to unify that into a single platform so that merchants can have a full acceptance platform from the first day they go live with them on PayMob. Is that a technological solution in terms of hard technology or is it a software solution? I guess for me it's both, right? There's a one side is the technical element around connecting to all the payment providers. So you've got the MasterCards of this world, You've got a local network in Egypt, which is an acceptance platform. You've got loyalty programs and so on. All of them are islands, if you want. And PayMob connects those islands together, right? Puts them onto a single infrastructure. On the other side, to the merchants, you provide a software. So if you are today, and they do this in Egypt, scaling now outside of Egypt, going into Saudi, Jordan, parts of Africa. But if you are, let's say, Egypt Air, which is a major airline, you know, the national carrier, and you need to accept all sorts of forms of payments from all sorts of providers in multiple geographies, you either have the challenge of doing it yourself, which is a nightmare, or you adopt a platform like PayMob that allows you to do all of that with a single API, if you want. Well, this was your first fintech investment. 
what's your time horizon for realizing it? And where do you think it would be when you do? So actually, it's our sixth fintech investment. This one is one that definitely stands out on many fronts. I think the maturity of the company is really interesting. They're growing, you know, I'm I'm not going to share the number, Robin, but because it's confidential to them. But let's say high double digit growth numbers that would make your eyes water if you're a business person. In terms of onboarding merchants with just the volume of transactions that they're now seeing through the platform. And COVID has been, I don't want to say a blessing, obviously it's not, it's been a a huge impact on on the global economy. But for businesses like Paymap, they've benefited from, you know, what's happened when more people have gone online to transact and they have all sorts of payments that they, forms of payments that they want to be able to transact with. Other investments we've done are a bit earlier stage. We've done things around money transfers. We've done things around helping startups get banking uh, solutions. So we've looked at very specific problems in our portfolio. So you're looking at businesses within the Middle East that can scale out of the Middle East, can build out from the Middle East into Europe, into Asia, into Africa. Absolutely. We definitely are excited about businesses that have that global potential. Now, let's just be clear. Do I believe every company is going to scale out of the region? Of course not. Many of them will be acquired by other global players. There will be consolidation in fintech. There will be consolidation in you know, different sectors, banking and so on. And that might yield some of these companies to be bought before they sort of reach that full potential. But we're looking at the fundamentals. Is the business built in such a way to be able to scale? Is it a solution that solves a problem in multiple jurisdictions as opposed to just being hyper-local, which is also equally interesting from a VC investment point of view, but it's just not the mandate of what we do. If you're looking at businesses like that, are you at all concerned that the regulatory framework in countries in the Middle East is ready, is able, is capable of managing them? So the short answer is that's the risk we're taking. As a VC investor, we're somewhat you know, anticipating what those regulatory changes would look like in the timeline on the horizon. Now, I think the evidence points to a rapid change in regulatory frameworks in emerging markets in favor of fintechs, if you want. And in an emulation of what's already happened in in the US or UK or across parts of Europe, emerging markets and the Middle East in particular is catching up at a rapid pace at this point. So I guess it's a risk, you're right. It's a calculated risk, one that we're very comfortable with. Obviously, we keep an eye and we analyze and we speak to the regulators or have relationships to understand some of their thinking. But I think it's one of those things that is now in the stage of it's inevitable. It's going to happen kind of no matter what. Maybe different countries at different speeds or pace, if you want. But we're inside... We're a long-term investor, right? We're a five-year, 10-year window investor. So within those windows, we're very comfortable that the, that the market regulation will favor the, the investments we're making. Five-year, 10-year window. That's standard VC timeframe, isn't it? It is. I don't know if in this hyper, you know, sped-up world that we live in today, whether five years is, is more like the 20 of the past, if you know what I mean. My sense is that five to 10 years is a reasonable place to look at in terms of making investments in technology. I have a sense, I have a a hunch that sort of fintech 
is going to go through a next two to three to four years of a very rapid acceleration. You're already seeing the mega rounds that are happening with some of the fintechs globally, uh, you know, and financial, I don't know, raising how many billions, and I don't know who's raising how many hundreds of millions and so on. Some of that cash will go to product development and customer acquisition, but some of that cash will, uh, will go to proper M&A, if you like, and consolidation of businesses, which is natural, right? We've seen this before in many, many other industries. Fintech, you know, is sort of coming into its own, Robin, as, I, as I'm sure you know. Do you see the Middle East creating any neobanks in the way they've been created in Europe, in Africa, in Asia, in the Americas? Of all the subsectors of fintech, we have been very skeptical about neobanks in this part of the world. And we have taken a more conservative decision or, let me put it this way, I've looked at 10 ideas, 10 plans, maybe more, by many entrepreneurs, some of them incredibly credible and some of them incredibly sophisticated and I wish them the best of luck. But we have thus far, and you know, we can always change our mind of course, have not made any investment decision. We're waiting and seeing, if you want. And the reason, Robin, for that is, unlike other markets where the bank, the relationship between the banking sector and the regulator is arm's length or, or even further, right? It's very much private banks run by private shareholdings and the regulator government-led or even industry-led independent. Here, that relationship doesn't exist, right? that many of the banks are government-owned, government-controlled. There are common touch points between the regulator and the banking sector, which frankly impedes the ability for neobanks to be successful, in my opinion, right? And I, and I think, what does that mean? It means, yeah, sure, there will be neobanks, but I believe the regulator will slow down the progress of neobanks so that the existing traditional banks that are run by the government and owned by the government have a chance to adopt and digitally transform their online presence, if you like. So is it fair competition? Of course not. And if you were sitting in another market in the world, we would be talking about you know, breaking rules and laws of antitrust. But we live in emerging markets, you and I know better. There's a world in which you have to look at some of the market dynamics. And I don't think the market dynamics are just yet favorable for neobanks. Now, there are flavors of neobanks that may kind of work, ones which are focused on customer acquisition, but funneling it back to traditional banks' products. That could work. There are sort of flavors, but a pure, pure neobank, as the ones you've seen you know, around the world, I, I think we're a little bit away from seeing that market being truly open and competitive. Okay, so PayMob is in the payment space. You've got other earlier stage investments in fintech as well. What other areas of fintech would you be looking at, would you consider as potential investments? I don't think we've done enough yet on the B2B side and B2 corporate side. So on the B2B side, people always think about banks coming from a retail perspective and ATM, but actually when you look at their balance sheet and income statement, a lot of money is generated by the inter-trading that happens between banks, right? Whether it's you know, Forex or lines of credit or, you know, all sorts of different products move back and forth, asset management products, savings products, etc. They generate a lot of fees and a lot of wealth for themselves through those, right? That's definitely open for disruption or definitely open for efficiency improvement. 
and we've been looking at that space quite a bit. And, you know, my background with Reuters makes me quite familiar with some of the interbank world of how that works when I'm, you know, looking at that space. And business to corporates. So, you know, SME banking is, is broken. It's broken around the world, frankly. But it's also broken in the region where smaller, you know, corporates don't get the level of service because it's cost prohibitive for banks to do so, or profit prohibitive, I should say. And therefore they end up, you know, you end up having to, as an SME, really deal with a digital platform and the banks don't have the digital platforms that are in tune with how SMEs work. So I see a lot of potential for lending based on technology and different way of doing credit scoring. You know, I see a lot of services being able to be provided to corporates for SMEs through those uh, uh, type of fintechs. Every bank, even the ones that claim that they're SME banks tend to pick the sort of large SMEs as their clients and ignore the smaller ones. And I think that leaves lots of room and lots of opportunity. And, and again, I think it's a global issue with unique uh, circumstances in each market, but definitely a, a huge potential opportunity.